0: Amen. Amen. Good morning, Identity Church. Um, I hope y'all have had a great week. I, I know that I have. It's been um, a real blessing to, you know, just this whole week, although there's been some, you know, even in the midst of, um, you know, me and Joanne, we have this this kinship around air conditioners. You know, uh, um Her air conditioner went out and then my air conditioner went out. And so, you know, in order to create this hot, you know, to, to, to stop hell from happening in my house, you know, I I had to go out and buy a new air conditioning unit. And so I praise God for, uh, for Koi Riggs. He, He came in, he put it in. Uh, so, you know, even though it costs a lot of money, I still want to bless the people that, that do this kind of work because... You know what? Money for air conditioner, that's a pretty good little that's a pretty good little uh transfer if you, if you get my drift. So, um, on to more spiritual things. Um, you know, this week the Lord still has me on this you are so loved. You know, I've really been digging into 1 Corinthians chapter 13 because 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is the love chapter. But it's the love chapter in the perspective that it's surrounded by prophecy it's surrounded by spiritual identity that comes from being filled with the holy ghost i mean if you go read chapter 12 and then you read 13 read 14 that's what it's it's really talking about so from a context perspective but what I think is kind of interesting is the fact that the more I read about God's love, the more that stuff is, is good and it's primary. We need, to, we need to want to get a word from God. We want to have, you know, like, in order for me and Matt to be good friends, we want to have a relationship where I can, I can see Matt, I can see his expression, I know how to talk to Matt. But what if Matt's out of town? Because Matt's out of town. Matt doesn't love me anymore. I mean, that that's what I have to understand is the fact that there are, there are aspects of God that God's trying to say, look, I want to give you all of it, but if if only somebody told you that I love you. Now, I'm going to tell you, Charlie, Reba, Heather, you know, Matt, we, we went to church and went through services where there was prophetic services. I know there's some people, it's like, I've never even been to a prophetic service. I wouldn't know what it even looks like. Well, guess what? Don't worry about that. We're not going to talk about prophetic services. But I will tell you this. I have went to those prophetic services, and, I, and I'm going to be honest. Be honest. Lord, I need a word from you. Lord, let the, let the man of God tell me something special about me. Lord, tell him, tell him to tell me that I'm going to be a multimillionaire. Amen. <laughs> See, there was, there was an opportunity for everybody to go, Amen. Hey, that would be great want, if... I don't want that. You, you don't want that. Joanne doesn't want that. But as a young, but as a young man, growing up, I was looking for God to do the spectacular. God, use me in a way that nobody else is being used. Show me things that nobody else is being shown. Give me the opportunities that nobody else is being given. God, if I could only, if you only did this through me, how much better would this world be? I'm being honest. Look. I don't want to be a hypocrite and stand up here and go, I would never do that. Well, you know, as an older, well, middle-aged gentleman, okay, I think about these things now and I think to myself, there are some things that I don't want people to tell me. I want God to tell me. I want to have that face-to-face conversation. I want to have those, the ability for us to be able to For me to know God in a way. Because man misses it. Misses it big time. I've been in some of those services where some of these people have said things. And I'm going, that don't even make sense. One of my friends was told that he was a woolly bull of the woods. I mean, what in the world does that even mean? Now, you may be thinking to yourself, well, Dusty, I've never heard this or or been in any of these situations, and I would never have even went to one of those. And I'm sitting there going, why not? Do You know that trying to understand more about God and trying to understand more about how he works in us and through us so that we can all be a part of it, you know what? I'm a big enough boy. Somebody tells me something that's not right, I just go, Okay. That doesn't confirm what God's putting in my heart. I'm just not going to do anything with it. You just put that off into Never Never Land. But you know what? I've also been in some of those services where people have said words to me. Mostly afterwards, another friend of mine comes up to me and says, You know, the Lord just kept putting you on my heart, and this is what I heard. Brad Holloman, Alan Duke, all these other people have come up to me and said, The Lord's really... Dealing with you about this thing. And it was a confirmation to me that I went, wow. But you know what? It was a confirmation to me because God had already been speaking to my heart. It's not something that was out of left field and goes, Dusty, you're going to Africa. You're going to live in a grass hut and you're going to preach to this small little village. And I'm going to wear a grass grass dress. That's what dad says. I don't know. I don't don't think I'm going to wear a grass dress. But anyway, I look at it like this. If somebody had told me that and God had not told it to me first, then it's not a relationship. So we're going to get into the word here. We're going to get into, I'm going to break down 1 Corinthians 8 through 13 in a way that you've probably never had it broken down to before. And you know what? I want you guys to listen to this. I want you to go back and reread this this week. I want you to take the time. Because the more I reread this, and I'm going to give you, because I'm not just going to take 1 Corinthians 13. I'm actually going to take King Saul. And I'm going to take David and I'm going to show you why this matters. Because the more the Lord kept putting in my heart this week and the more he was speaking to me about this, he kept sending me back to King Saul. He kept sending me back to King David. And this scripture right here just kept resonating with me. So I want you guys to listen to it. I want you all to, to think about what God's telling you. Go back and reread all this. In fact, anything I say, go back and reread whatever I tell you. And if I'm wrong, come tell me about it. I would love to have conversations about that. 1 Corinthians 13 8 through 13 says, Love never fails. That is true. But whether it be in prophecy, they will fail. Whether it be in tongues, they will cease. Whether it be in knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, that then that which is in uh, I'm sorry, that which is in part will also be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, understanding as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these are love. What I want you to understand here is that I, I've heard people teach on this, and everybody says, hey, when we all die and we go to heaven, we're going to know more than what we know now. There is no untruth about that, okay? When we go to heaven, we're going to know all things. We're going to know every infinitesimal molecule that I was talking about before we got in here God's going to show it to us he's going to give us the ability to be able to comprehend those things but let me tell you this has nothing to do with us dying and going to heaven absolutely not the more you read into it in fact go if you actually go get your strongest concordance you start reading into this this has to do with what we see today this is more about where we go from And where we go to with God. So I'm going to break it down. Between 8 and 9. And then uh, 10 and 12. And then verse 13. You know it says here. Love never fails. But whether it be in prophecy. Whether uh, they will fail. If in tongues ceasing a knowledge. And it will vanish away. For we know in part. And prophesy in part. You know this right here. Comes down to. You know we're. All looking for some word from God. How many people are not looking for a word from God? See, I'm glad no one raised your hand. Because if you're praying at all, you're hoping that God's going to turn it back around and give you something, right? I mean, everybody's looking for it. Sometimes we're looking for, hey, Charlie, what are you getting from the Lord about me? I mean, I'm serious. I've been there. I've been in these places and these services where I'm not hearing from God or I don't think I'm hearing from God. Which, by the way, in John, it tells us that, that we hear the shepherd's voice. You know, we pray sometimes, but we don't hear the small, still small voice. Or when we hear that still, huh? Is it because we don't listen? It's because we're not listening. A lot of times we're listening and we go, whatever that was, get away. That wasn't what I wanted to hear. I didn't want to hear that little gnat thing that was telling me that you've got to wait. Wait for what? I want to go now. See, I want you to understand that we're looking for something. Sometimes we're looking for it through a prophecy. Prophecy. Sometimes we're hoping that, ah, oh, somebody's going to give me some insight that I didn't have before. And you know, you know, when we know these things by a man, it pills in comparison to what God tells us. Do you know that prophecies and words of knowledge and words of wisdom and all of these things are to edify you? So edify means to build up. But if you have no foundation, like if God didn't come in and say, Joanne, you know, I love you and I want all this, these great things for you. And I want you to fulfill this in your life, the thing that has been in your life. Well, if I come along and say, you know what, Joanne, Lord's been telling me to pray for you this week. And I, I just feel like he's got a great thing for you that you're supposed to be doing that's going to edify. The thing that he put as a foundation is now going to be raised up. Wow, she goes, that's confirmation. That's edification. It's not, Joanne, you're a woolly bull of the woods and you're, get, you're just going to roam around and scratch around in the dirt. You know, all those prophecies are, I didn't know what to say and somebody put me on the spot. who was the Who is the guy that used to come and i, I loved him because when we huh tim O'Leary. tim o'leary do you know that he said less about those kind of things but every once in a while it would be like he got a word for someone and it was a confirmation and it was right i was afraid of the dude i'm just gonna be honest with you how many people i mean reba's going Yep, yeah i mean i i walked in and heather told me one day we had just gotten married it was like, Tim O'Leary's coming. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to go Tim O'Leary's thing. And it was like, yeah, he's a prophet, and he speaks about this. And I was like, I'm afraid of this guy. You're afraid he's going to leave your mail. What was he about to do? He'd get right in your face, I and mean, it's way down deep in your soul. And you're like, yeah, what, what is he saying? What is he saying? Yeah, what is he saying? I mean, I would, I would sit there, but you know what? I was afraid for nothing. I was afraid for nothing because the whole thing is, is that this guy was listening to the Holy Ghost, and if the Holy Ghost had not told me about something, he wasn't going to tell me about it. What he prophesied, huh? he be edified. He edified. Yeah, he was it wasn't this, you know. You're going to Africa and living in a grass hut and wearing a grass skirt. You know, this is this is the the beauty of God's love is that. God's love is he wants to tell you about it first. He lets you in on the secret first. God's love lets you in on the secret first. Right before we left um, Life of Faith North, we had this, there was these people that had come in, they were really into prophecy. And they told me a lot of things that was just bull. In fact, my whole family was sitting there going, nope, nope. Nope. And I sat there and I listened. And I went, that's just not it. Do you know that it was so bad that this person did this to a lot of other people and they were kindly trying to find ways to get him out of the situation? Because this guy, he wanted to be known. He didn't want to make known God's love. And see, that's what I want everybody to understand is God's word to you is so much better than a word from someone. If you get a word from someone and it doesn't confirm what's inside of you, say, thank you much, move on. Would that be a false um, a false prophet is going to say that Jesus is not Lord. I'm Lord. Uh, a false. I want you to understand because that, that's a great question. But a false prophet is going to prophesy that something that is false about Jesus. Okay. okay, he's gonna he's gonna come in and say. Um, I, I would say a false prophet is um, some of the some of the the community that has turned around and said there is no God. Science is God, that kind of stuff. That's false prophet. Science is just, I've observed something and I'm, I'm able to now use it, right? I mean, there's nothing in science that man has made. It's, it's, we observe something and now we're using it to our benefit. God created it, we just use it. Um, but that's false prophet, is when you say it's opposite. What's opposite of God is truth. Um, So, you know, we need to listen to God. We need to listen to his word. So also in verses 10 through 12, where it says that, um, but when we, when which is made perfect has come, then that which is in part is done away with. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, and I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. What I want you to understand here is that this is basically saying, and, and everybody in here has, has had times where they have said, I can't believe that I believed that. I use this all the time. My grandfather used to tell me that we have one less rib than women because God took the rib away from us. But see, that's not true. In the moment that I got made fun of by people when I actually said this because I thought my grandfather was giving me inside baseball here, I was like, I can't believe that I believed that. Now, what you have to understand is is that in this, there are gonna be times where, and and I think about some of these college students that go into college and they're being taught things like critical race theory They're being taught that there is no God. They're being taught atheism. And then I've talked to several of them. Now there's not all of them do this, but I actually have talked to some people that were like, yeah, I went into college. I learned all this type stuff. I get out of college. I work for a little while and I go, wait a minute. Everything that I was taught doesn't make any sense. Socialism, communism sounds good on paper, but when I actually started applying it to my life, I realized that I would be poor. I realized that I would be under somebody else's control, that I have no freedom, I have no ability to gain opportunity. And see, that's the thing, God is a God of opportunity. So when I say this, hey, I can't believe that I didn't see that before, I can't believe that I believed that, it's because, There's going to be people who are going to tell you false things. There's going to be people that's going to do false things in your life, and you're going to go, okay, I guess I believe that. And then all of a sudden, it's going to become clear to you. I can't believe I didn't see that. You know, our worldview is a little bit like being a child. When we're a kid, things, things are different, right? I mean, you don't pay bills when you're a kid. Hey, my son's, like, raising the roof over that one. But when you're, you know, the moment, and and if I went to somebody who was uneducated as a kid, because I did, I had people back in the 90s that came to me and said, wouldn't it be great if somebody paid for your college, if the government, wouldn't it be great if these things happened? Now, this is not a political thing. I know I just turned it into it. But what I want you to understand is, is that there are things when I, when I was younger that I went, that would be really great if I could come straight out of high school make $50,000 a year. Everybody would, would say that. Hey, that's great. I would love that. But then when you start trying to figure out if everybody made the same thing coming out, if everybody made the same thing, then what would end up happening is is that you devalue your money. Eventually, you get to the point to where money doesn't even make sense anymore. It's a little bit like what we're having today. Inflation is going through the roof. Well, if you make $20 an hour, that used to be decent money. Now, inflation is overtaking any gains that we get. That's exactly what would happen if you started making everybody A millionaire, they, you know, somebody was saying the other day, it was like, well, you know, you only have this many people in America if you gave everybody a million dollars. Think about that, you know. Everyone in Venezuela is a millionaire. Everybody in Venezuela, that is a great point, buddy. Everybody in Venezuela, you know, they were taking, they were millionaires in Venezuelan money. They were taking wheelbarrows full of money and they were trying to get bread. It was taking a whole... They actually took their money. You could see it. It just was laying in the streets because it was worthless. Now, I'm going to turn that back around to a spiritual thing. You know that the same thing happens when we take away and diminish what God has in our life. We start inflating things above His Word. Well, I this didn't happen for me, so I don't know if God doesn't love me. That's a lie. That's something that is allowing your circumstances to dictate to you what God is. You know that, you know, veiled love lacks depth. You know, veiled love is like, you know, if if I met somebody out on the streets and, and I know people, they're very huggy touchy kind of people, you know, and they come up and they give you the hug, you know, and they, you know, they're, they're really lovey-dovey to you, but I don't know them, it's, it's veiled love. It's that, it's that I really have no depth of understanding of who you are, I have no depth of understanding what, what your motives are Have you ever met somebody that was like that and you thought to yourself, I feel a little bit creepy when they come up to me and they give me that hug. I mean, I got lots of head nods on that. There's plenty of, huh? What do you want? What do you want from me? What are you trying to do to me? I don't have anything. I mean, I I feel like you're groping me. That's my wallet. Leave it alone. I mean, that's the way you feel when you have somebody that has a veiled love. You don't know their motive. You don't know what they're doing. And see, that's what I think most people do with God is there's a veiled love. But you know what's pretty awesome is that it says that when we actually know God, when we see him face to face, people say, well, I can't see God face to face. Yeah, you can. See, God's a spirit. We have to understand his face looks different than our face. God's not going to come down here like a a ball of light and turn into Jesus and then he's going to stand right in front of us. There are people who have had visions of Jesus and I'm not going to deny that. But what I am going to say is that I've never had that. But you know what? I have had God when I allowed myself to let him in praise and worship and and one-on-one with him in my prayer time to where I know him. I know his presence. I know who he is. I know what he looks like. His face embodies who he is. And I'm able to see him for what he is. See, I'm not veiled like, well, you know, the Bible tells me he loves me. The Bible does. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes upon him Shall have everlasting life, right? I mean, that's, that's what we're told. But until I actually experience God myself, that's a veiled love. See, his word becomes active and powerful and life when we know him face to face. And that brings me to 1 Corinthians 13. See, you may be saying, how? Well, Dusty, how do I get that? Where do I get that? Well, it says here. It says in verse 13, now abided faith, which means, is is pistis, which means trust. It means assurance. And then you have hope, which is uh, eplis, which means expectation and confidence. And then you have love, which is agape, which is a love feast. It means a choice. And it says the greatest of these, that word greatest right there, it's melzon, And what it basically means is the elder. It was the first. It was the beginning. So love is the beginning. And if you have love, then now love breeds hope. And hope is that expectation. Love is the expectation of what we're supposed to have in him. And expectation builds trust. I'm sure that Matt, Amy, the both of y'all, when y'all first met each other, Y'all were sitting there, and you were probably like, "Man, Matt's going. Man, I really she's she's, awesome. she's hot. Look at her, woo!" And then Amy was like, "I'll get by." No. I'm <laughs> That's the way it was with Heather. Heather was like, "He'll do." But you know, one of the things that you have to understand is that in order to build to build that trust. Because I got news for you that I started choosing Heather and having an expectation of something more before I actually trusted her. You may be going, why is trust more powerful? No, trust is the maturity of love. I'm going to say that again. Trust is the maturity of love. Because the moment I start choosing somebody in my life, now I start getting an expectation, well, there might be more to this than just the surface, that veiled love. So I start putting more in. They start putting more in. And eventually we get to trust, right? We start, I trust her. I trust that when she leaves here, she's not going to another man. I trust when she leaves here that she's not going to go spend all my money and go on a wild spending spree. I trust when my wife walks out of this house that she's got the best interest for me and my kids. Do you know why? It's because when I chose her and she chose me, I had an expectation. And that expectation over time turned into trust. You know what? There's people all around that they don't trust their spouses. They don't trust The people that are around them. And it's because they didn't just, they they quit choosing each other. They quit having an expectation. And their trust went out the window. This is exactly the same thing of how you see God face to face. Is that you know he loves you, you love him. You have an expectation that he's going to come. You have an expectation that when I sit down with Him and that I have my prayer time, that when I get together with God, that He's going to be in the midst of me. And then you know what? Faith, Woo! I now have trust. I now have this mature, unending love of God. Now it's not just a veiled, yeah, God loves me. Yeah, I love God. No, it's I know God. I trust God. I've never been in a place where God hasn't shown up and shown out because I know and I expect and I trust. I'm going to tell you some people who didn't. One of them is King Saul. And I know I'm taking up a lot of time here. I may have to break this up and go next week with it. But what I wanted to do is I wanted to to show you King Saul because King Saul was the... Excuse me. King Saul was the sort of the fruition of Israel not trusting God. In fact, Samuel, which was the prophet at the time, he went to the he went out to God, and God said, Hey, the people doesn't they don't they don't want me as their king anymore. And Samuel says, No, I've failed you, Lord. And he goes, No, no, no. This is not a failing of you. This is a failing of you. That, that I have with the people. The people do not trust me anymore. They want a king. They want somebody physical. And then God goes and gives this long. This is what's going to happen to you people. He's going to take your sons and daughters. And he's going to enslave them. And he's going to take your money. And he's going to build kingdoms. And he's going he's to make your children go to war. And he's going to do all this stuff. And Samuel went out and told the people, and the people said, okay. So Saul, I don't blame Saul all the way. I blame the Israelites, because the Israelites is what caused the mess. But we see here in 1 Samuel 8, 6 through 7, it says, but but when Samuel had heard these things, they displeased Samuel, When the people said, give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord and the Lord said, Samuel, heed the voice of the people and all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they've rejected me that I should not reign over them. You know what? One of the things that I see here is that in our lives, in order to start distrusting that means at some point I stopped having expectations. See, this builds. If love is the foundation, expectation is the house and the roof is that trust. Then what we start seeing here is that Israel ripped the roof off of it. Their relationship with God, they came through and they just ripped the roof off of it. And then guess what? They started pushing the walls over. I no longer have an expectation. So God, give us somebody else. Because I don't trust you anymore. Think about how hurtful that would be. I mean, I think about it as a father if my kid said, I don't think you can provide for me anymore, Dad. I'm going to have to go find somebody else. Hey, Mom, let's go find somebody else to provide for us. Think about that. They told God Almighty. They had been under peace. They had been under complete and total utter peace. And you know what? They were like, we don't like peace. Kind of sounds like America. Wow, we've been under peace. We've been prosperous, everybody. Heck, our, our poor is, is more prosperous than, than most of the middle class and wealthy of these third world countries. We don't like that. We want something different. We want to make ourselves like Venezuela. So what happened was, is a couple chapters later in Samuel 10, 9 through 11, uh, you know, essentially God said, well, let's go go out. You will find in this valley, you'll find this young man, his name's Saul. And you'll know him because the boy was like a foot higher than everybody else. I mean, God could have said, hey, go look for the head that's, Floating over everybody else's head. Because that's, that's how much bigger he was than everybody else. And see, God sent him out there. He found him. He told, Samuel told Saul, he said, come with me. He goes, we're going to eat together. And he anointed him with oil. And after he anointed him with oil, he sent him back out. And this is where we come to. And see, what I want you to understand by this is that love and use are not the same thing. Love and use aren't the same thing. Like if the Lord said, hey, Dusty, go to this place and I want you to go and work in this ministry and you're going to work day and night. And people would go, man, God must really love them to give them such a big platform. I mean, that's the way a lot of people, maybe maybe not you people but I have been in those circles. I felt like, you know, I need, you know, God, if you just give me something awesome to do, then I could then, you know, just work me, Father. Just get me in there and let me just work this thing out. You know, love and use is not the same thing. Because love and use, at some point in time, you stop being all happy about being used because use means that you get worn down. It means that you no, no longer have that relationship anymore. And eventually you're like, I just want to quit. I'm tired of it. You know what? Saul had the opportunity and we see it right here. Because remember it said that when prophecies in, in 1 Corinthians 13, it says prophecies will, they'll end, that tongues will cease, all these things. We find out that that, wow, Saul, he wasn't even a Levite. And it says here in 1 Samuel 10, 9 through 11, it says, so it was when he had turned back to go from Saul that God gave him another heart. Basically, he he gave him another belief that he was going to be king. And all those things came to pass that day when they came there to the hill. There was a group of prophets. It was like one of those prophet schools, you know, that I was talking about a few weeks ago. To meet him. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he prophesied among them. And it happened when all who were who knew him formerly saw that indeed prophesied among the prophets, that the people said to him, What is this that has come up uh from the son of Kish? Is Saul among the prophets? So, wow. Everybody saw that he was prophesying. He was now a prophet and a king. See, this is what you need to understand is the fact that God was using him. And Saul was like, oh yes, I'm now above my station. I'm above where I'm supposed to be at because nobody in my family is from you know, a Levite prophet. Nobody from my family lives in this kind of, of realm. I'm special. But you know what? Just because you were used, just because you had a moment. You know, when I was praying with people in the streets of Santiago, uh, do you know that, or throughout Costa Rica, I saw some pretty awesome stuff. Things that I have not seen as of yet here in the States. Some of it is because of people's belief. But some of it is, is that, My use to God is not just to be somebody that goes around and gets people healed and set free of things. I'm supposed to be a child. That's actually number one. Number one is I'm supposed to be God's child. All this other stuff is a part of me just living my life. But some people, they label themselves, oh, I'm an evangelist. I'm going to go out here and I'm going to do all these things. That's fine. That's good. I have no problems with that, and I'm not against it. But what I want you to understand is the fact that when God uses you once, you got to make sure that He's wanting to use you again for that same thing. You got to listen to God and see. Samuel had this experience. And was like, "Whoa, this is awesome! I'm going to be a prophet from now on." You know, Saul had no relationship. All he had was ritual. In fact, we even see this coming up. You know, when God had told, uh, when God basically told Saul he was going to be king and that his kingdom was going to live forever, that was until that he started messing up. 1 Samuel 13, 13 says, And Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord, which he had commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to command over his people. But you have not kept the Lord's commandment. And what had just happened was, is that Saul had only been a king for maybe a year. In fact, at the beginning of 1 Samuel 13, it says Saul had been a king for a year. And what he had done was the people were getting antsy because the 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 Philistines, they were like circling, and he said, "You know what? I'm going to go ahead and sacrifice to the Lord to get His blessing, and we're going to go out and fight." And so they did. They sacrificed. They went out. They fought. They actually won the battle. They did this, and and it, you know, they did it under their own strength. And this is what happened: the moment that he sacrificed. Samuel shows up and goes, what are you? Do you think that you're a prophet? Do you think that this is what you're supposed to be doing? That you're supposed to be trying to get God's blessing on what you want? See, this happens twice. A couple of chapters over in in Samuel 15, it says that uh, 15, 17, it says, Samuel said, when you were little, In in your own eyes, were you not the head of the tribe of Israel? So basically, he's saying, hey, before you actually understood you were king, didn't you think that, hey, am I really supposed to be king? I mean, everybody has those kind of feelings. It's like, am I really supposed to be doing this with my life? And it said, did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord has sent you on a mission and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners the Amalekites, and fight against uh, them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoils and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on the mission in which the Lord had sent me and brought back uh, Agag, the king of Amalek. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. Amalekites and it says verse 21 but the people took of the plunder see what I want you to understand is that God had told him completely wipe them out leave their stuff don't go get their gold don't go get their silver don't take their women don't take their cattle And you know what Saul could have went to the people and said, no, you can't have all that stuff. See, Saul wanted to be liked by people more than being liked by God. And so he decided, well, we're going to let him have all the stuff. What I want you to understand here too is that this ends up biting Samuel. Do you know how Samuel dies? Him and his son, Jonathan. An Amalekite boy kills him. Think about the irony in that. I mean, you know, you're supposed to go and destroy the Amalekites. God said do it. But they ended up killing him. Do You know that if he had done what was supposed to have been done, then he would have had no war. But because he let these things happen, all the other Philistine people, because Philistines, were uh, I'm trying to get the word out um, the, the Philistines they were uh, not just one people they were multiple groups it was like the, the Hittites and the Amlicanites and the Jebusites and all these other people that were out there so what you're having to realize is that is that if they went utterly destroyed this big group called the Amlicanites all the others would have left them alone But because he didn't, he left the children. Well, years later, those children came back and killed him. It says here in um, verse 22, it says, Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offering and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of a ram. What you have to understand here is this word obey means to listen, to hearken, to to understand what God's trying to do. See, do you know that pagans were the ones that would sacrifice to have their will blessed by God? He didn't even understand how God even worked. He didn't understand that God wanted to have a communication with him where he could pray to God and he could understand what to do next. But no, he was like, this is what I want to do, Lord. So I'm going to offer a burnt offering, a peace offering to you. And hopefully the burnt offering will make you appeased." which is exactly what the pagans would do. See, he was flipped upside down in his understanding of how God's relationship with him was supposed to work. You know, there's a lot of times in our lives that we pray extra hard. I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I tried and it failed. I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I tried and it failed. But we don't understand that God was saying, hey, I'm not just wanting it to be a a coin I put in the machine. I pull the lever and God pops out a miracle. God may be wanting to try to teach us and have us understand how to live. You know, God wants us to, to train up as a child. You know, we've got Harper Grace. Harper Grace runs around here. But if Harper Grace was never taught about heat, I mean, we never taught her what fire was. We never taught her about anything. She becomes 20 years old, like, like Kaylee, you know, 19, 20 years old. Never have done any of these kind of things. And she goes to put her hand on the stove. At 20 years old. She goes, oh, I burned my hand. Dad, I burned. Yeah, you're not supposed to touch that. And he, well, I didn't know. You never told me that. You just kept me away from it. You just said, oh, don't go over here. It's evil. It's the evil stove. Do you know that that's the way we treat God? Lord, keep us from evil so we don't even understand it. No, I need to understand when things are evil. I need to be able to see it and understand it so that when I'm Five years old, 15 years old, 25 years old, 50 years old. I'm not going to go touch the evil thing. Do you know that a lot of times we pray so that we never have to deal with evil? That we never have to deal with these things. Sometimes we need to go, God, show me how to recognize it. Show me how to deal with it. Show me how you want us to do it. And God would say, this is what I want you to do. See, that's true prayer. That's true understanding of who God is and what He wants in our lives. But see, Saul just wants His own will to be blessed. I'm the king. God just bless whatever I do. That's the way the pagans do it. And right here it says, it says here. Um, In verse 23 of 1 Samuel uh, chapter 15, it says, For rebellion is the sin of a witchcraft, and stubbornness is the iniquity of idolatry. See, he was dealing in idols of God. He dealt with God like he was a pagan god. He believed that God was just like the pagan gods. Saul knew nothing of who God was and how God wanted to treat him like a child. All he wanted was he wanted his blessings. God bless me. I'm going to burn this sacrifice. You better bless me because you made me king. That's a lot of people's prayers. God, you better bless me. I don't want to know who you are. I just want you to do what I say. Well, because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. God when we pray and go, hey God, you better bless what I'm gonna do, and he goes, Nope, I reject that. I'm not gonna do it. It'd be the exact same thing as if one of my children, Caleb, sitting over here, he said, Dad, I want to be a drug addict. I'm gonna go, nope, reject that. I reject that pretty hard. I'm going to fight against it, by the way. Oh, you want me duct tape you to the floor? That's what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, you better. I mean, that's what I'm getting at, is God's going to go, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to bless you going and destroying. I'm not going to bless you being an idiot. Saul was an idiot, and he needed to be taken care of pretty swiftly. You know, Saul lost sight of who God was. God. Saul also made the children of Israel lose sight of who God was, too. Because it, they would see, they'd see Saul out there burning sacrifices to God like the pagan gods. Think about how that changed the mentality of the people where they were saying, hey, I really just needed my sins to be forgiven. So I would go to the priest and they would They would burn offerings for my sins. Well, now I'm burning offerings not for sin. I'm burning offerings to try to bless, get God to bless me. It completely flipped who God was and why the sacrifice was supposed to happen. Do you know it did the exact same thing to people that are around us too? People read these kind of things and they think, well, why did God not bless Saul? Saul sacrificed. He created an opportunity for God to bless him. Why didn't God do it? Well, it's because that's not the way God, that's not who he is. And see, that's the thing. We don't understand love unless we understand who we're loving. And I'm gonna stop right there. I've got more. We'll talk about it next week. But one of the things that I wanted to That I wanted to bring up to you guys today is the fact that knowing who God is and knowing who he loves and why he loves is why we need to have that relationship with him face to face. And the way we do that is that we first have that foundation of love. We build the walls of expectation and then we top it. We put the roof of faith on top of it. And that faith, hope, and love and the greatest things is love is what drives us and keeps us as a child of God. Amen. Did y'all learn something today? Amen. Amen.